Welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed some members of Lockjaw. We talked to Bill Page, Sweeper, and Aaron. We talked to them about the beginnings of the band Lockjaw, much of their history, and a few other things. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And that's why we're a little bit late this week. Thanks for checking everything out and enjoy. Okay, we're here. This is Nickel City Soundtrack. I'm Mark. I'm Chris. I'm Alex. I'm Derek. And we are here with the living members of Watch. <laughs> 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 oh god Aaron you're, you're, you're muted <laughs> Pat and Scotty are going to be oh, uh, surprised to hear that I said who have we lost <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, it's probably Sean the metal guy that was our first drummer and quit like a week before our first show was his name Sean I I don't remember maybe Oh, you were drunk. I forgot. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was the old drummer to Skinned. Oh, oh that's the one. Yeah, I yeah. never, I honestly never thought that the that the band Skinned would ever be referenced on this podcast. And now, <laughs> we, and now we, we may have to do an episode just to give it context. NCS <laughs> 273, Skinned. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next week for Skunked. <laughs> It'll be right after the round flat episode. <laughs> Whose idea was Lockjaw? Ha! I think it was. Wait, do you guys? Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Oh yeah, no, they don't did. know who Sorry. you are. Nah. I'm Bill. I sang for Lockjaw. Sweeper, tell him. <laughs> I'm Sweeper. I played guitar. Actually, I started off playing bass and switched to guitar. And uh, I am Aaron, and I started the band with Bill. I played guitar. First band I ever played guitar in. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, that was all because of Brian Hominiac. Yeah. This random guy I grew, up, I grew up with and um, I went to high school with. And right after, uh, right after high school, he's like, oh, man, I, I, this dude, Bill, he's really cool. He works at the mall. He's got, he, wears, he wears this weird hat at the cinnamon place. Was it a cinnamon place? Yes. See, I remember. <laughs> and uh, he uh, was just like, dude, play guitar for us. And I played bass for like three years and I never touched a guitar. So I just bought a guitar and joined Lockjaw. Were you in any bands before Lockjaw? I was in just like bands with like Scotty who wound up in Lockjaw, like neighborhood kids. I didn't get out of Kaisertown much pre-high school. Mind twist. Mind twist. Yeah. We played a show at the toy store. I think Aaron and I, one of our first bands that played a show together at the Tilly store. Yeah, I don't Doug's know old band IMD played. All these weird dudes I didn't realize that like a couple years later I'd be super tight with and like be making music with. And I was like, who are these <laughs> fucking weird dudes? <laughs> that's kind of how it works. So tell me a little bit more about the beginning of Lockjaw. Um, I, I forgot how Brian and I started talking about it, yeah. but we decided we wanted to start a band. And I wanted to sing. I was playing bass and half mast at the time, um, and uh, we uh, and I, it. Shane was the drummer. Did you Shane. say Shane before? It what did Shane. I say? You said Sean. And um, somehow I forgot how I ended up getting in touch with uh, Shane from Skinned. Um, I know that they broke up. Everybody and, chuckles. And somehow this guy was looking for a band. Uh, we didn't know him previous to that. And uh, Brian uh, recommended Aaron. And Aaron and I had met a couple times before that, too, uh, through a lot of friends in common, because we actually lived pretty close to each other. And then, uh, you know, we just got together in my basement and started practicing. Um, like Aaron said, shortly before our first show, like the first Lockjaw show was also my last show with Half Mast. And about a week or two before that, um, Shane quit. And um, we got a call from Pat, who I don't know how he got, who was also involved with a band that played one of those toy store shows. 
what was his oh, name? Oh yeah. And um, oh, what were they called? Let's call him up and get him in. <laughs> but but he ended up through friends in common. He ended up getting in touch with Aaron, saying he heard we needed a drummer. Dude, and that yo, dude, that. I play drums. Our well, first show was at Columbia College. Um, us a full path, half mass, and abnegation. Literally, the first time I ever plugged into a half stack was uh, minutes before my first set. So it was very feedbacky, and I was just like, "Dude, do I just turn it on?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "All right, man," and I just played whatever. It was really loud and feedbacky. That's all I remember. <laughs> what did you play through at practice? Just like a practice hand, dude. I don't even remember. That was a <laughs> long time ago. Fair enough. Eventually, I wound up, you know, getting normal stuff. But man, those first those first few months were a little rough. Yeah, yeah. and Brian quit the band shortly after that first show. And then because he, he broke got, his wrist, didn't he? Yeah, is yeah. that why he quit? Okay, yeah. we got Eric Johansson, who was in Threshold and eventually started Pride, uh, ended up playing bass for us for about a year, maybe a little. I don't longer. know if it was yeah. that long. It was long enough. He <laughs> was on a couple of them. Sweeper knows. Sweeper, were you were you an original member or did you come in later? No, I came in later. I like I met Bill for the first time at that uh, Envy and Snappy show at the Black Box Theater UV. Uh, and okay. shortly after that, I started hanging out at all the lockjaw practices and stuff, but I wasn't like good enough to be able to keep up. Um, so as a result of that, shortly after we started, Bill and I started Ceasefire. And then that ended up just kind of dissolving and I ended up joining lockjaw because there's no point for the two bands. But And Sweeper started playing bass with lockjaw for a couple shows, right? Yeah, because Eric was flaking out all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Scotty and I just kind of like, why don't we just switch? And then, <laughs> so we did. Little switcheroo. Oh. So that, so that was a cl- the classic Lockjaw lineup was the lineup that you're born, talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty I much, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. The classic Lockjaw lineup. The classic Lockjaw. <laughs> I mean, the only lineup change we had after I joined was Scotty moved to Florida for a few months and uh, Farside played bass for what three months probably a handful of shows <laughs> hey, scotty come back i complained a whole lot <laughs> I, my memory of the band is his let him land yeah, he was laying down on the floor. in bill's basement just like mumbling something <laughs> i was what, like i don't why know why did i do this why am i here <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Oh, man. Uh, it was something. Good times. Good times. In his defense, Aaron did that quite often, too, throughout the existence. Of- if that's different, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's different. <laughs> that's just pure wolf. It is, though. I might be laying on the floor crying during this podcast. It's possible. I- I'm hoping for it. Like, I'm, I'm hoping for that moment. If you don't have like, a box of jelly donuts here that you're going to smash in your face, then I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> long story don't go there yeah it's a it's a thing that he used to do <laughs> so what were like the lockjaw releases let's talk lockjaw releases uh the first demo was all faith lost mm-hmm. um which eric played bass on uh we recorded that at watchman when it was still in doug's bait in doug's parents basement um we then did a three song demo that we recorded with Derek prelwitz he was running a studio in his mom's attic for a little Forgot while. about that. Yeah. When was what when songs was that? Around that? What? What songs were on that? It was always the same. Regain and cast aside. Huh. And when and when was All that? Hits. Yeah. When when was that? 95. Yeah, probably 95. Because Eric so, was still in the band. So for people who don't who are listeners who don't know. Derek Prowlitz was in Nail, Negative Aspects of Inner Life. Right. And and I'm guessing that Nail was still in existence at that time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And now I'm curious if Nail recorded there or where they recorded. I'm I, sure they did. Recorded a, I had a couple songs that I think they recorded that Derek recorded for them. Those two songs that you put out on your like little demo label you had for a minute? Yeah, well, they, they didn't actually make it out, but they were supposed to, yeah. Yeah. But... But this isn't about nail; it's about lockjaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Nor is it about skin. Yeah. 
Right. Why not? Well, uh, <laughs> not yet. Everything kind of is. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> like, let me, let me just say that. before you continue, because I do this. I bought the skin demo. Uh, it came out when I first moved back to Buffalo from Illinois, and it had like a moshing buffalo and like camouflage shorts holding a baseball bat. So I'm like, of course, our moshing bison. So of course, I'm like, of course, I'm going to buy this. And it was the worst fucking thing I ever heard. It was so fucking terrible. Like, oh, that artwork I, sounds like something face the panic would do. Yeah, totally. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's totally in my wheelhouse, 100%. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It was like, oh, fuck, what is this shit? Anyway, back to Lockjaw. Okay. So we did that three song demo. That was around the time Eric ended up quitting. Um, because I think he quit shortly after that, and um, I'm not still threshold at that time, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think, okay. yeah, I think threshold fell apart around that time, too. Yeah, like, Eric had one of those things, like you know, he was kind of like one of the masterminds behind threshold <laughs> and died at the time. Well, you know, like one of those guys who like wrote most of the songs, and then he ended up, you know, threshold broke up, he quit, he quit us, he quit pride. Not not quite in that order, but it kind of all happened around the same time, and then you know he dropped out of the scene. Uh, just one of those things, and then we ended up getting Scotty and Sweeper into the band eventually. We recorded what was supposed to be our full length, and I don't know. Going back and listening to it, I don't know why we thought it would be a full length at Watchmen, which a lot of those well, songs, well, it was it was long enough to be a full length. It just right, wasn't I mean, we good. Were, right, it was like. <laughs> It was basically like most of those songs ended up between the, the four <laughs> song demo that came out shortly, which was like the demo we really put together in more of, I guess, professional demo way with the printing on the case. Um, and Doug White really pushed us to um, Eric and Matt, who were doing Thank the Knife Records. They were starting that in Rochester around the time we did that long recording. And uh, we decided it shouldn't be a full length. We did a four song demo. Doug pushed us to them and uh, they decided that their first release should be the Lockjaw gutted seven inch. And that ended up, didn't up coming around out around the beginning of 97, late 97. Uh, it, it was spring. Yeah. It was like spring 97. Yeah. So we, we ended up doing that. Um, and then at that same time, we met Dan, Dan upheaval from Hamilton, New York, who did upheaval records, Ontario. And then we we did a real full length which we really honed everything much better from that last recording which even though i kind of like um it, that long recording you know it's not very good was worth it because it really helped us point everything we could do better um we ended up recording a lesson in hate then that came out by the end of 97 so we ended up doing a lesson in hate with upheaval records um then ian from Madison, Wisconsin, contacted us about doing a split with Hoods, um, which came out, must have came out in like early 90. We recorded it in 97, but I think it came out in early 98. About, who knows? Right. Everything, nothing ever comes out when it should. All this stuff probably came out a year after it was supposed to actually come out. Uh, <laughs> and we also recorded a song that was on an inside front comp for number 11 shortly oh, after. Oh, yeah, yeah. We... Were you guys still together when the split came out? Yeah. yeah I think we were still together when it came out. For some reason, yeah, I thought it came out afterwards, but I don't know why. Maybe I, mean, I bought I, it. I don't yeah. think we were around much longer after it came out, but I think we were still together when it came out. So, I mean, we, we played the last show with Pat sometime, I want to say May of 98. Well, Pat's last show. And then we couldn't, so somehow we couldn't find anybody to replace him. I, that's still kind How of, of replace, how do you replace pat i mean come on yeah well <laughs> so then we just had a final last show at discovery downstairs like the in the space to the left of the regular discovery record store with stigmata and all that and pat played that too so at least by that last last show this blows out but i don't know about the rest of it did aok play that show as well Oh, I no. mean, <laughs> he did song. By by playing those shows, all we did was switch instruments, and then Bill would get mostly naked, and then <laughs> you know, good good to see some things never did, didn't die for a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait, who who played drums for AOK? I did. Oh my bad. Come on, Harry. Jeez, don't remember. 
<laughs> I mean, I remember most of it. I don't. It's fine. It's fine to block it out. <laughs> that might be what I'm doing. So okay, so where so we, we went through all the releases. Um, did Lockjaw? How many? You guys? How many times did you guys like tour and stuff? Like real tours or weekends? We didn't have a, We never did a real tour. We did a a lot of weekends. I thought you guys did a. Uh, at least a somewhat of a real tour when Farside was in the band because you guys like came back telling some weird Dayton stories. Yeah, we tried. Oh, Dayton's always weird. What was supposed to be like a two-week tour turned into two weekends. Everything got canceled and Oh yeah, yeah. 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 We, we were we'd make it out to the Midwest, well, sort of Midwest, because we had friends in Detroit and Chicago that helped hook us up with shows. Mm-hmm. Um Detroit was kind of our second home. I love playing there. Yeah, Detroit was always a lot of fun. Who'd you play with in Detroit? Like, what big shows do you guys play in Detroit? Earth Movers shows mostly. Yeah, I like uh, that band. Did you guys play the Earth Mover here? Did you guys played that? Yeah, show? yeah. Okay. The Despair's last show. The Earth Mover played a couple of times. Yeah, they played yeah, before. I was gonna say, yeah, they. I don't think we played with them before that, but uh, I mean, we we definitely played with them at Despair's last show. I forgot they played that. Who else played that? It was Brothers Keeper, Earth Mover, Despair. Who else? Harvest and, and uh, Sons of Abraham. Sons of Abraham, weird. <laughs> wow. I don't remember them. I don't don't ask them. me why I remember that. that that's yeah. succinctly. But I got to that show late, really late or something and almost missed Despair, actually. but Because it was like sold out, but I snuck yeah, into it, was, it. It was the most packed I've ever seen Mercury Theater. Yeah, definitely. Most packed Man, that place got tore down. Place burned down. Fire then. Oh, burned burn down. Yeah, yeah. burned down. Anyway, <laughs> you guys were like the house band there for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks to SBYC. Yeah, yeah. They tried to be our booking. Tried to. We just uh, we just didn't say no to anything. Yeah. We, we were yes men. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, who aren't familiar with Lockjaw, what would you say, you guys? What what kind of sound did you guys have? Would you say? <laughs> what were you going for? Oh, that's, that's kind of a funny question. Because I mean, if you take everybody that wrote music for that band, yeah, we all have very similar dissimilar tastes. But somehow we would just like kind of write a bunch of stuff, and it would all mash together somehow, and it usually worked. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at the bands that we were all in after Lockjaw, you could kind of see where each person's musical direction was headed because mm-hmm. those bands were more singularly focused as opposed to Lockjaw, where it was all just, I got a part and I got a part too. Let's okay. <laughs> That's Lockjaw though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little so, mishmash. Yeah. It was, it was a blend. It was a potpourri. Everything um, a potpourri. <laughs> having said that, though, Aaron did write a, at least I don't know seventy-five, maybe eighty percent of the material. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can count on one hand the number of songs that I personally wrote. So it wasn't. Uh, it was mostly Aaron. Yeah, but no. At the end, you could tell, like like you said, we all wound up doing kind of things more specific to what we were into at the time. Mm-hmm. But that's what made Lockjaw kind of cool. It was just a weird mishmash of like hardcore metal weirdness. And just tolerating enough, enough <laughs> each other enough in a band that we could just like go to Perkins after. Yeah. <laughs> I was that was like, important. oh yeah. It was a bad practice if there was no Perkins after. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you keep them in line, son. Did you really play anything if Sweeper didn't get a piece of meatloaf? How could you? <laughs> My jam at Perkins actually around that time was the open face turkey sandwich. I love those. <laughs> Fantastic! They're so good. Sweeper, yes. Sir. On the spot, what's your favorite Lockjaw song? That I wrote or that you wrote? No, nothing like that. Just your favorite song. Uh, probably "What's Left." All right, Bill, your turn. Scar. Oh, I know that song. Or maybe gutted. One of those two. Nice, nice. All right, all right. So, what? What's yours? Yeah, you, you, you can't. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> is it your podcast, son? The, f- the first song on the CD. That's the first song that comes to mind. That's also what's left. It was, oh, all right. And then we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> that was a weird time where we're like, 
we got we, a couple of us are super into napalm death and they <laughs> and napalm death was just kind of taking like a 90 degree turn in their sound which they only did for like a record or two but somehow a couple of us like me scotty and bill in particular were super into it and and it kind of took lockjaw in this weird way for a couple songs don't you think do i sound stupid no you're right and do you agree with that with what's left. I wish we would have had a conversation before we were suddenly on a podcast because these are like th- issues, things we haven't talked about in like a long time. <laughs> even though it's it doesn't have to do all these random ideas. And even though it doesn't have to do with the turn Nate Beth made, the beginning of A Lesson in Hate, what's left, we basically blatantly rip off Napalm Death's Harmony Corruption the way it starts. If you listen to the way both CDs start, they just do it with static and play it a little faster, but it's just like the same kind of note progression, just like the gin, 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 gin. and that's well, Hatebreed kind of made a career out of playing in tune songs, right? Right, that's true. <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, what do I know? But <laughs> the best Hatebreed song, Stranger Eons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Satisfaction is still my favorite Entombed LP, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Ooh, so what was the biggest show you guys played? I think to the Spares last show pretty easily. We, but I mean, around around that time, when once 98 kicked in, like and even some of the shows in 97, as far as Buffalo went, they were all, I'm not saying it was because of us. It just, they were all pretty decent shows, or at least, you know, 100, 150 kids at each one, which kind of is unheard of these days. Um. Like that trial show that I, that I actually did was pretty good. We played uh, the hell else did we play? I don't know. I guess that's all I'm remembering right now. But we played the three day fest in Syracuse. That was like yeah. the free hell fest, and that was pretty big. Was that at Hungry Fox Charlie's? Prime? It was Hungry Charlie's. Yeah, Hungry yeah. Charlie's. We yeah, played yeah. the day with like Coalesce, and today is the day. And there were a lot of that place was packed. That might have been more. Yeah, last that was a good time. And the like, Detroit was kind of hit or miss. Even though we played a couple of our best shows there, we played a couple of not so great shows there, and two of those were like really packed though too. Like it was just like the New Year's perfect. Eve show that we played there was real good. Oh, was that? Yeah, that one. That was that was a couple of days before the Despair show actually. So that was a good time. Yeah, good weekend. Yeah, solid weekend. <laughs> What's the far, what was the farthest you played away from Buffalo? Chicago. No, wait, did, we played, wait, uh, before I was in the band, you guys played in like North Carolina or something, didn't you? We no, I think you were in the band. We played. Um, we played Milwaukee. Okay. Um, did we ever play? Actually, play in Madison. We played that show in Milwaukee that Ian and Jesse set up. With Dogs of War? Yeah, with Dogs of War. That's right. I know I played Milwaukee. We played Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, I remember that. That was a good show. What kind yeah. of scene is out in Rochester, New Hampshire? It was all right. It was kind of, it was like a weird venue. Yeah. Which one was that? It was I don't it was kind of oh, like a, give me details. Was it like an arcade that this old couple ran for like kids in the neighborhood? And we ended up sleeping like these, the dudes who did the show, they rented out like what used to be an old meat locker. <laughs> like it was a slaughterhouse behind the house. Oh, the I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That was awesome. Another one of those infamous weekends. Did we play in like somewhere in Massachusetts the day before? <laughs> no, I think that was one of the dumbest weekends we ever did because Titus tried to book us a tour. And that's the one that fell through with the van. And at the that weekend, I believe we decided that even though he booked us like shows in that one in Rochester, New Hampshire, and I think in somewhere in Connecticut, maybe New London, was it New London, Connecticut? The one where we slept in the van after the show. Yeah, and um, that was the worst. But the day before those two. Our friend Chris Colburn in Detroit was doing a coalesce show with a couple of us, like me, Aaron, and Pat, and Scott. I think everybody except Sweeper like love coalesce. Yeah. We were just like, well, we have to play this show. And Titus was just like, guys, you can't play that show. It makes no sense driving wise. Like, no, we can do it. And we did. We did it. It was a terrible idea. Right, what happened? <laughs> what was so terrible about the idea of playing with well, Mandy, like Driving from Detroit 
yeah. to New uh, Rochester, New Hampshire, or Connecticut, wherever the next show was. It's like a 15-hour drive. Yeah, it's a nightmare. And even though we did well in Detroit, we didn't do good enough where we should be headlining a show. And Colas had to get back home, so they had to play early. They had to play like more in the middle of the show. And then there was this bigger band from the Detroit area who were kind of more like, I, I don't know how to describe them. They weren't anything like near traditional hardcore, uh, much more metallic, a bit more artsy. They decided they wanted to play right after Coalesce. And they were who everybody was there to see. And they didn't say anything like, oh, there's one more band, stick around or anything like that. And everybody left except for like a small handful of people. So that, that was kind of discouraging. What was that band called? I don't even remember. remember. Was it like <laughs> Treffine or something like that? I wish I wish no, Treffine was here, we were, could name it. No, Treffine was a good band. Treffine, we were like friends with those. I don't know if we were friends with them, but we had a lot of friends in the same circle. Those guys were probably some of the ones who stuck around at the show. Um, no, it was a band, like nothing like that. It was like really... Um, Fuck, I can't remember what they were called, but fuck them. Who cares? <laughs> the, <laughs> the only other thing I remember about that show was that the, it was in the basement of a vegan grocery store. Yeah. That's the only other detail that I could even... I have no idea what that band was called, though. Okay. So did you guys at least lift some vegan groceries on the way out? No. None of us were vegan. We probably went to Burger King after. Nah, man. Mm-hmm. We went back to the ranch and we got ghetto pizza. Oh, yeah, that was good. Well, we didn't stay, though. We drove through the night <laughs> to get back to Buffalo. No, we didn't spend the night, but we still went to the ranch for a little bit and got ghetto pizza okay. because that's, that's what you did when you played Detroit. That's true. What's the ranch and what's ghetto pizza? Mike, Casey, who played guitar for Earth Mover and later in Walls of Jericho, he lived in a house called the ranch. Yeah. which wasn't really in the best neighborhood. and uh, there That's was- putting it nicely. Yeah, there but was, that's what uh, I was going to say. It was probably Coalesce probably wanted to play in the middle of the day so they could get out of Detroit before the sundown. <laughs> probably a good move. That There's makes sense. Awesome pizza place in Detroit where like you can get like a large pizza for like five bucks, and like bands would all stay at the ranch, and everybody would just throw in a five and be like, "Just get me a whole pizza." And like a couple of them would just come back like stacks of pizzas. Everybody <laughs> who was staying there, and there's sometimes a couple bands would be staying there and just be like, "Nah." I'll just get a whole pizza. It's so cheap. <laughs> so, uh, so here's a little bit of an offbeat question talking about pizza in other cities. And I'm guessing since you guys weren't vegetarian, you were probably eating a lot of pizza on the road. How do, how do other places you played pizza stack up against Buffalo? And I ask this because I personally feel that Buffalo pizza is better than anywhere else. I would agree with that. I do yeah, too. I agree. I have not had a good slice of pizza on tour and who knows how disagree. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe I'm going to the wrong places, but I'm not usually looking for pizza when I'm in another city, but yeah. I mean, New York, you know, New York City has good pizza, but, but Buffalo, it's not man, Buffalo. It's something. not Buffalo. Yeah. It's, no. uh, but it's it's as far as a different style of pizza, it's fine and it's good. But it's fine, a lot of others not Buffalo. What, one, okay, so outside of the New York, New Jersey pocket, and then yeah, you got fired up, man. Yeah. <laughs> then you get outside and like you go to like Cleveland, like all those other places are just like it's just generic like dough, you know, sauce and, and cheese. It's just so kinda, like pizza yeah. ingredients. American pizza, so pizza ingredients, <laughs> but not good ones. Exist west of Buffalo or south of Philadelphia, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, that's a I fair assessment, that. and I know like in the Midwest yes. with uh chicken wings they give ranch instead of blue cheese which is horseshit uh, that's the yeah. worst and i don't, I don't yeah. even like blue cheese but i i still appreciate its place within the hierarchy of eating Tradition. I, traditions I can't, eat, I can't eat blue cheese but i think those people should fuck themselves agreed <laughs> yeah. i mean we're mostly on the same page none of us were vegan or vegetarian during the lockjaw days oh well you, you were you for a little now. bit yeah, you I tried a couple a bit, times, but but for most of the most of the time we weren't, and we usually just ate cheap fast food or we'd hang out at diners with people afterwards. Detroit was the only place where we got the pizza because of the ghetto. It was like a thing. Yeah, yeah, you no know, pizza, and um, plus it was an excuse to hang out with those dudes. Yeah, and we, you know, sometimes we would get some shit because we would ask the wrong person where McDonald's was. Um, like what was it, Toledo? Which is right outside, right? 
we were we were playing at a house and we asked somebody the another person who didn't live at the house was like sleeping in the same area we were, we're like where's where's the nearest mcdonald's you know and he directed us to one and we went and when we got back everybody in the house it was the next to nothing guy's house and they were just like what mcdonald's did you send them to and when he told them they were just like why the fuck would you send them in that, that neighborhood because we asked a vegan where the nearest mcdonald's was so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, solid prank. Yeah. 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 A bunch of 20 year olds from Buffalo. <laughs> Wasn't there, what was that noisy band called? Something Acrobat. The National Acrobat? National or- Acrobat. When they played out, in, <laughs> they played at uh, Discovery or something one summer, didn't they? And yeah, they, 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 rolled, they rolled out to me as I was walking down the street to get something to drink. To like, yo, which way is Mighty Taco? This is pre like GPS and all that smartphone stuff and i was like i'll make a left at main street they drove away and it was the wrong way (laughs) an hour later i was at mighty taco and they walked in and they saw me and they were really upset (laughs) my uh my stepdad when i was in high school he his whole thing was giving people wrong directions intentionally (laughs) and and he would send people to like freaking who the fuck knows where i remember i was walking the one time like Hey, where's the street? And he's like, okay, what you need to do is turn around, go like 15 minutes, not 16, 15 minutes, make a left, yada, yada, yada. And we were two houses away from the street they wanted to go to. <laughs> what a prankster. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was a wild one. Griffin Nettles, he was a wild one. <laughs> I mean, my other, my other favorite lockjaw carnivore story is we played in Toronto. I think it was with Left for Dead, if I remember correctly. And... Uh, uh, Chris was like, you know, he thought we were all vegetarian and stuff. So he's like trying to uh, show us this place called Licks, which I mean, we all love Licks. But so we get there and it, we, it was kind of out of the way too for them, but it was on the way home from us because it was, it was on the, off the QEW. We get in there and they're, they're behind us in line. And we're all ordering just regular hamburgers and you know, everything <laughs> else. And they just kind of look at us and go, oh, we thought you were vegetarian or else we would have never bothered. And then we just ate and left. No, we were just like, oh, this, is good. this is awesome. We love it. But yeah, it wasn't it was a Toronto show. We were playing a basement in, um, I think it was in Hamilton. And it was either with, Sir, I think it was with Sirhan. And oh, during yeah. Sirhan set, remember, there was somebody there who like broke a bottle over a kid's hand. Oh, and yeah. The parents were there. And then they kicked oh, yeah. us all out, understandably, because this, this, like, this kid was ble- bleeding pretty bad. He probably had to go get stitches. And, and yeah, so, was like, so we played some kids' basement in where was it? Canada? Canada. Oh, Early and it wasn't locked. I was AOK playing. It was, it was, it was really <laughs> <A-OK. A-OK>. <laughs> so the parents oh. come down. The so I got nothing about the story, right? <laughs> These parents come home, they come look at us. There's Pat in a hockey mask growling. <laughs> we have masks on, maybe throwing our instruments around. There's a kid just bleeding from his hand. <laughs> so they kicked us out, needless to say. But didn't Blake Elman, who he played with, uh, was he in Sirhan at that time or somebody else? I don't think so. It was Rat Boy. Uh, yeah, Andy. Rat Boy was drummer. But didn't Blake that play? We did with the, the end of hair. one from Metallica at that show before AOK. Tell me I'm Blake, not dreaming. This. I think Blake was there. I, I, I remember that. Was they live supposed to play that show? I don't. All I remember is being in a basement in Canada. Blake playing drums, and we did the end of Metallica by one. Mm-hmm. Blake might have just been there. All right, fair enough. Because it was a good time, and I broke the tail end of my, Toronto of my minivan. Yeah, he, he went to school in Toronto for a bit. So that's right. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, and if we were playing in Hamilton, and like another NT band was playing with us, yeah, especially if Sir Hunter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Good times. Bring him. So back. it was. It was specifically an AOK show. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe we just decided let's do an AOK. Did we ever book an AOK show? Are you serious? Apparently, <laughs> no, we did. We we played the cost in for Canada. A- like no, we were like, Canada. let's get our gear over the border to play right. in that okay. joke band. Mark Mark Pesci booked that show, so that actually might have happened. Maybe. Just uh, clarification: enough. Blake is from Tonawanda. You you fucking pricks. <laughs> <laughs> but he lives in NT. I love, <laughs> I love the Triton I love it. What else? What else we got? I can tell you about the first time I saw Lockjaw. 
Who said that? Hurts. Uh, Hamburg smorgasbord. Oh yeah. And someone broke. <laughs> someone broke the a mirror. mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just I, talking. Were about you that. in the band then? No, I was there, no. but I wasn't in the band. That was yeah. right. That was Bill, uh, myself, and Jeremy Smith had actually gone on a road trip to see Unbroken Mouthpiece and Cornerstone that weekend. That show was on a Monday, I think. Did VOD play that Smorgasbord show? They did. So we we were going to go to the to, where was the next one? I think it was, the next show was in DC, but we all had to come. Back, well, everybody except me had to come back to Buffalo for that show. So we were all pretty fucking tired at that. Yeah, but it ended and, up being an awesome show for Lockjaw. Yeah, and uh, a funny. I was just talking to Gus about that show recently because that was during Lockjaw's set when the mirror got broken, which yep. we didn't realize at the time. But our friend Brandon would always videotape us, and when we were watching a video of the show, you kind of hear a crack behind him, and him go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and his camera hit the mirror behind us. Oh, Brandon broke the mirror. Yes, and that resulted yes. in no more shows at the Lakeview Smorgasbord. And wow. there, was, there was one there after that, but I think it was in a different room. Well, that, and I think that was the last show that Jeff Drought was able to do there. Yeah. And uh, But year, many years later, somebody else took over that building, and in a different room, they were doing shows. So let's fast forward many years. This is when Wrong the Oppressor was together. And um, Ruben did a GC5 show over at the former Lakeview Smorgasbord. And I don't know how it happened. But everybody from Lockjaw was there. And somehow it was decided we were going to play a short set at after the GC5. They agreed to let us use their equipment. Uh, we stood in the back of the building during their set humming songs to try and help <laughs> them. And... Uh, so, no, I don't remember anything drastic happening, but something with the after the whole thing that ended up being the last show there ever. And so, Lock so. I was partially responsible for ending shows at that building twice. <laughs> Impressive. Did we actually play? I don't remember. Yeah, we played like four or five songs, and like everybody there went off. It was a yep. really good show, oh. and that's what ended up prompting us to decide to do one last. Uh, we Your did a reunion show. show on Windspear uh, when they did the Buffalo when uh, Nick Moscow did a Buffalo Fest, and uh, it's the most tired yeah, I ever been. We did, we did a whole Wrong the Oppressor set, and then we went right into a Lockjaw set, and I thought I was gonna fucking die after that. <laughs> and that's when you were young. Yeah, that's when I was young. Now I would die. It just who played that happen. Buffalo Fest you're talking about? Locked on wrong, the oppressor. I think it dies today. Ended up playing. I think it might have been like their first show. Yeah, because they were um, because that was um our first show playing a band with our former drummer's new band. <laughs> it dies today. Spread the word. Yeah. Yes, that's the show that that was from. Uh, Elad Love Affair played that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. It could have been a different band, but they might have been called At All Costs or Out of Context, which was, um, if any of you guys know Ron Douglas, yeah, it was he played guitar in in that band. That's how I remember meeting Ron at that show because of that. It was definitely At All Costs. I remember that. Is that what they were called? Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, didn't, did, can I say play that show? Who? didn't you guys play that show yeah we did okay there's also a bad brain show that night so we had to make sure it ended early so everybody who wanted to get could come to that show and then make it to the bad brain show at show place later i remember that show i went that that ended up being the last bad brains show for a long time because hr went like went off the deep end afterward yeah Joe Garlick put a, didn't he put Scott Spriggs head on a girl from the Hamburg smorgasbord show inside of the seven inch? Yes. Larry Ransom's on the cover of the seven inch. Correct. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it. Those are the, those are the two hidden ones there. And I can't remember if he did anything like that on the CD. <laughs> Maybe we haven't found it yet. Yeah. Well, I would have been there when he did it. So would have Bill. Well, he's a, he's a sly guy. He is. Do you really he, know? He credited himself as slick, actually, on the layouts. It was a lot funnier at the time when he was doing it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's still hilarious. It's it's still funny, but uh, 
what are you guys up to in as far as bands now? Let's go. Well, Bill and I are currently in, in Wrong the Presser again um, after a 16 year still, whatever it was still. hiatus. <laughs> still, oh, Mike Jeffers' flagship band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron. Who? Oh, me. Yeah, you. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm jamming with um, Hourglass now. Actually. Um, right here. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm super stoked. Um, Gerald reached out to me uh, a couple months ago. He's just like, oh, I'm just putting feelers out there. Uh, some guys may be able to do it, may not be able to do it. Uh, guitar, bass. I was like, dude, whatever. I am in. Just sign me up. I'll be there. And um, uh, yeah, and then eventually a month or so ago, it came into fruition. And, uh, it's been about five or six practices now. It's going really good. I'm stoked. Cool. Good to hear. We had yeah. Gerald on here last. Gerald and Mike on here last week, but nice, nice. Aaron, Did they tell you they were kicking me out yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, don't tell, dude. But uh, <laughs> he's not around for long. <laughs> I got kicked out of Buried Alive before they recorded the demo. Really? Oh, God, That's quiet. right. You were supposed. Yeah. What? Yeah. What's that about? Oh, um. Once uh, what was it? Hourglass broke up and uh, Matt and Joe were starting a new band with Jesse from um, you know you know Jesse Moscato and uh, um, they brought me on board and we wrote a bunch of songs and uh, had a couple ideas for singers. Um, Jeremy Hall was one of which came down for a couple of practices. Mm -hmm. Didn't and, my uh, trance also try out? He, oh. He didn't actually try out, but I think he was in the cards. I remember them talking about it, um, but I don't think that he ever actually came to practice. At least now, well, because while I was in the band, Scott came around and he joined. And then um, shortly after that, uh, I was I was kicked out, asked to step aside, and Sprig came in, and um, yeah, that was that. But good stuff. It's weird. <laughs> ripping open old I mean, wounds but it was awesome. really cool because i mean i i fucking loved hourglass so much and i was like it's this weird mix like i was in lockjaw and threshold and i was like it's a weird mix of like maybe it'll be like hardcore but like noisy like hourglass and um and it kind of started out that way but um when scott came into the fold it, you know it went a little bit more traditional hardcore which uh yeah like i dig but noise. i was more excited to be playing like hourglass noisy stuff mm -hmm. and um I was in a couple other bands at the time. So I pieced out and um, Buried Alive was, went on. And well, I don't know what I did after that. Fuck job. How was the Jeremy Ball tryout? I'm curious. He never sang, but he just came to a couple practices. I'm just said, he's like, next head. week, man. He's like, I got yeah. working on stuff. Don't worry about it. It's going to be awesome. I'm just picturing terrifying ass Jeremy Hall. Yeah. Singing over Buried Alive. And it's like, it's, Maybe it's, it's not weird. as good, but it's definitely cool. It's 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 the it's the Buffalo version of Cold as Life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Didn't he he sang for Satan's helpers, right? Yeah. He did. Yeah. But that yeah. wasn't he wasn't nearly as scary then. True. <laughs> That's true. Aaron, I only remember you wearing like two shirts, an hourglass shirt or a Felix shirt. It's funny that you're now playing. <laughs> I love that you said that you brought up the Felix shirt. <laughs> Many people have said that to me. It's like every time I think of you from back then, I picture a Felix the Catch. <laughs> well, I'm glad I made an impression, my friend. <laughs> you wore that uh, sunny shirt a lot too. What shirt? The sunny, sunny shirt. Oh yeah, when it fit me. Those were the days. <laughs> Do you remember that show at uh where was it in South Buffalo? Irish Center? Uh, or, no, 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 that, that. I know what you're talking about. It was uh, like a hall, but it was only one show there. The first oh, that was show. awesome. And I relate the Felix shirt to that show for some reason, but who else played that show? There's like a metalcore band. Torn Apart. Torn Apart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that a Brothers Keeper show or something, too? It was. Yeah. So what made that show awesome? Hiller. Were, it was just a lot of people, and uh, our set was awesome. I mean, people were like, you know, the usual singing. I shouldn't say the usual, but singing along and going nuts and uh it was just good it was a good stage it was good we played awesome that yeah, one stands out to well. me that's in my like top three i think yeah. shows 
I definitely remember that you guys having a great reaction at that show. Yeah, like I think we were all kind of caught off guard. Yeah, like, oh, this is actually pretty fucking awesome. Mid, I think mid was, set, I felt that. And then I wheezed. How about how about the reaction Union had at that show? Who Union? Yeah, I mean, like nothing, but I've never seen them have a reaction like that ever. And like people really lost their minds when Union played. That was a wild show, man. Yeah. Were you People guys tagging the bathroom in another venue? <laughs> were any of you guys at that show in um, NT with uh, Dead Guy? Yeah. And yeah, Lockjaw? And, uh, yeah. It was like yeah. another Dude. kind of. It was, or, it was, was Lockjaw there. and then Coalesce played and yeah. then Converge played yep. and then yeah. Envy played and then fucking Dead Guy. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine that show like if it happened this weekend? Minus probably Lockjaw and maybe Envy. But it'd be pretty fucking wild. I mean, that that Dead Guy, Converge, and Coalesque, that's a three-day fest, your three-day headliners. Seriously. Like Seriously. today, we in, just this, played in this day and fucking, age. And so many people I know who love all those bands are like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I made that show. Was there like, was a lot that of was unreal. There. It was unreal. I remember the, the Coalesque player, bass player, like smashed his bass. He smashed his bass at that show, yeah. And yeah. after the show, he was just like, ah, oh, it's been giving me trouble. I don't know what I'm going to do. He was just like <laughs> looking at the pieces. It's weird. Lockjaw wound up playing with Coalesce like five or six times, right? Guys? At least five. Right? Yeah. We Two were or just, three times we just in like, Buffalo. And like years later, when um when I was in ETID, we uh we were going, we were about to go on a tour and we did a show at uh is it a basement pub? No, the what's that place on Backstage Pub. Backstage Back, Pub. Yeah. Oh, we're, it was like a that. it was like a pre-tour show or whatever, and um, yeah, it was Rat Boy's birthday. Yeah, yeah, and at, you went. Bill went to see Danzig play in no, Cleveland. Coalesce play in Cleveland. Why does Danzig come to mind? I don't know because I'm the because I sat there and I was talking to Coalesce after, and I was just like, it's too bad you guys couldn't play Buffalo today because it was Rat Boy's birthday, and he wanted you to play that show, and Sean was just like, we. Do you think we could still play? They they were just like totally gun ho. Like we can get to Buffalo now and play. And oh um, yeah, yeah. They and, they them calls, yeah. and uh that show was done, but they were just like, We'll we'll do it in a basement. Blades and, Mansion. Blades yeah. Mansion. And it yeah. ended up pulling it together. And all these people just showed up and coalesced just played two shows that day. Like this big show in Cleveland, and then they played a basement in Chicawaga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was sick. You know what's funny? Uh, Mr. Novak's birthday is today. It oh, is. Yeah, that's true. It's You're right. Is it? So that was many years ago today. It's like we planned it, man. <laughs> we planned it. Yo. I had that show on video uh, somewhere. But that was rad. Yeah. Yeah. So what else what else we got? What else we got here? Well, it's let's let's uh your guy, I mean. Uh, Beerwolf already said what was uh, the top couple of shows for each of you that you guys played or like most memorable shows and, and it doesn't start. have to be like oh we played great it could just be some wild shit that happened too well I mean first for me is Despair's last show just because like anybody that has known me for a while knows that, especially at that time in Buffalo Hardcore Despair was my shit so it was kind of an honor it, I mean the way it all came together was um, kind of weird but I was just happy to be included in that. So that meant a lot to me personally. Yeah, that was a really good one. I can't, man, I can't really think of a favorite show. We, we, we were real lucky. We got to play a lot of good shows. All right. Well, I'll go again. Uh, another, one for me, <laughs> another one for me was a trial show just because it was the first show that I ever promoted and put together and coming up we had a hard curfew of 11 for some reason at that show so everybody else played and they got however long their set needed to be and we were left with about 20 minutes before things had to end and we managed to belt out eight songs in 20 minutes and it was uh it was fast but i, th I thought we we played pretty well and and i don't know i, I like that it was a good time that that's so another personal having, point that's because it was raves there yeah some other dancing oh, going yeah. on Oh yeah, 
which this yeah. is kind of an offshoot, but I, mem- I remember Mercury Theater one time where it almost came to blows like outside because Steve Titus and SBYC would do shows there. And one show, some touring band wasn't ready to play. And like we were all like standing outside and there was like all these ravers and there was some yelling and discussion about what was going to happen. And what's really funny about that is uh, many years later, I ended up DJing dance parties at Mohawk Place. And uh, for a couple of years, I had Steve Titus working security. <laughs> found ourselves at a couple shows trying to usher hardcore shows out of Mohawk Place in time for our dance party. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> back in the enemy. Yeah. Betrayal. Sell out. <laughs> Oh. But wait, the whole reason I brought, I started bringing up that whole thing about um, playing with Coalesce that day and Lockjaw is because when we went to 1190, they played their set and I came outside and Pat was there talking to that James DeWeese dude who used to play in Coalesce and then is in Ghetto Kids and then turned out to be a sketchball. Um, and he just knows Pat. The two... The dude from the fucking Get Up Kids and Pat Lockjaw would see if they ran into each other on the street, they'd be like, My dude, what's up? <laughs> Does anybody see joke? how weird that is? Just hearing oh, those yeah. two weird ass voices going back and forth, too, <laughs> in a conversation is fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. And and they were outside. And Pat looks at me, he goes, Yo, this dude from Coalesce. I, said, I I know. I was just here. <laughs> it was bizarre. <laughs> I don't know. Another memorable show for me was that one in uh, Chicago that we played with Despair at the Krishna Temple. Oh yeah, when Matt was Matt Rowers was in Despair at the time, right? I, and I, and my SG was it. messing up. I remember that. But that was a good day. Didn't Cole Les play that show too? They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 guys eat moors. I, I feel bad about that now. Dude, all right, time. when we when we get to the show, we got there super early because it was there's like a borderline blizzard going on in, in Buffalo. So this shows in like December, I think, maybe January, and uh, so we just we we had rented a minivan and we're all ready to go. We decided to leave the night before to make sure we got there on time. Well. We got there plenty early, so we show up at the Christian Temple, and they let us in. And we were like six hours before the show's supposed to start. Dude, we and, got there uh, like eight in the morning. Was it all right? Even earlier? Okay. Um, <laughs> we're like, hey guys, we're playing that in like twelve hours, so can we just chill here? <laughs> yeah. So they were they were fine with all that. They were very nice, and uh, we're trying to find somewhere to eat. And this one dude that was there staying at the temple comes up and you're like oh you guys are into hardcore yeah i just spent the week out with porcel at some other temple in new york and all this and dropping all these names and we're just like cool dude you know <laughs> and uh so then we're like where can we get something to eat and like well there's all these places like, we just want to go to like a burger king or a mcdonald's and he goes you guys eat moors <laughs> so i feel bad about that he was so sincere yeah. I, I wish know, I had. Like, I wish dude, I had the uh, awareness to not ask the Krishna guy where McDonald's was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. In hindsight, that was. I was young. Best. I was young. But it's a. The, was, the, Lacha the, was getting me out into the world. The part this of that is how I learned that, these things. The part of that whole thing that stuck in my head with though was just how hard this dude was trying to drop all those names. Like everybody that used to be like a big name and or still was a, a big name in hardcore. He's like, yeah, I was Krishna hanging out with this guy and that guy and. All these, we were at the temple with, with these guys, and it was really great. I'm like, yeah, man. Just trying to impress you so you wouldn't eat the moors. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to save some moors. Just trying to save some moors. But oh, I feel actually like reminds me of what one of my favorite shows was to play because the day after that was the first time we ever played Detroit. It's true. And because we were all staying at Jim Stormtrooper's house, while well, us and Despair were. And uh, Volvo was just like, why don't you guys just drive with us to Detroit? We'll see if we can get you on the show. And they did. And um, was Mike or Andy doing the show? It was an Andy show. It was an Andy show. And that was when we first met the guys from Earth Mover. And they were awesome. They let us play. And um, 
everybody in that room just like went off when we played. They had no reason to, they never heard us before. We, did we only have our demo then? And like we sold like all of our tapes. It was yeah, just like, wasn't like, really surprised. Like we booked a show in Chicago, which was a fun show and went all right. And then we played this show unexpectedly that we just jumped out. Oh, was killer. It was all because fun. turmoil flaked. Is that the reason why? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, right. All right. <laughs> Who do you think we should have on in the future on this podcast? I, I think a couple of cool episodes, one of which Chris and I kind of jokingly talked about, but I really think it'd be cool if you guys could get a hold of a couple of the people from the Buffalo power trip. Um, they, no, but they were I, when I first was like really started going to hardcore shows like power trip shows were always a fucking great time wasn't Jeremy was, in that band for a very short period yeah. I don't know if he ever even played a show with them but he has a lot of hard feelings about that yeah. <laughs> who, else, who else was yeah. in, the, in the Buffalo power trip I, I don't know who any of them were I, I don't know any of those people I don't know if they're still yeah, that's, what I, that's what I thought I thought they were kind of peripheral at best yeah, but I mean, they always played Buffalo shows. Um, I mean, they were more, they weren't like a hardcore band, but they were definitely, they played hardcore shows all the time. And they were just, I mean, it, it made, they might seem like they were a bigger part of the scene to me at the time because I was new to it. And I you was were young and didn't play. know any better. Are we talking yeah. about Fulcrum? It always blew my Fulcrum. But it's I also been think brought up before. Along, along the same lines of Power Trip, I think doing a discontent episode would be awesome. Uh, it's in it's in the works. It is. Awesome. Yeah, I figure that one shouldn't be hard to do. So okay, discontent power trip, which probably won't happen. What else <laughs> you got? You think you guys have hit all the big names as far as what I'd want to see so already, but we need uh, more, man. More than big names. True. We need the we need the glue uh, to hold all this shit together. You, you could you could kind Nail. of get maybe a discontent or a or a against all hope thing. Maybe do most of that. Against all time. hope is also in the works. I, I, against all hope and discontent would be two separate episodes because okay. they're very two very different bands, even though they share a key member. Yeah, or two. Maybe you should get individuals on to just talk through their their journeys. Like that's get, a lot uh, of pressure on one person. Well, they know what they're signing up for. Yeah, like get Jesse Moscato on there and have him have him. He's he's had one hell of a journey. Have him tell you from when he's picked up the drums to where he is today. I'd listen to that. (laughs) I mean, he's just an example. I mean, you know, a lot of beeps. Yeah, probably. We, I mean, we got we got plans, but you know, we want to hear what other people, who other people want to hear on here. I mean, I'd say that everyone. I just need to listen to it, so it's already there. You know, you know what else would be cool is like there's a lot of those kind of like missed eras. Like I'm referencing bands when I started going to shows I'd like to hear about, but I remember Better Times was a great band from about ten or twelve years ago. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, definitely. Be really good. You can um you can talk to them about how it feels like you got Frank, who's now a cop in Pittsburgh, who sang for them, and their bass player Cody who now lives out in Portland or Seattle. And I know a band he was in on their seven inch have an anti-cop song. So that's <laughs> a really uh, interesting conversation going on. No, but they were all sweet dudes. When I did my podcast, I interviewed a couple of them. Like I've interviewed Frank and Will and they were all, had a lot of good things to say. Really good guys. Great band. Will fucking uh, rules. Great Will, oh yeah, Will's awesome. Yeah, he's really... I was just gonna he, say a quick he moved away on. as well recently. Not that not that recently anymore, but you know. He moved? Did you yeah. say yeah, I think he moved to like someplace weird like Kentucky or something. No. Nebraska. I don't know, somewhere, somewhere that I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to go to Nebraska. You were saying, Chris? Uh a quick plug for uh Bill Page's podcast, which has been around for years. You want you want to uh Drop a couple words about that real quick. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, it it doesn't really exist. I, I did it. For, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. I, I did take it the ball like, and run with it, Bill. Sorry, I did it for three or four years where it was, um, but it was more music based. And then I would have some interviews, not quite as in depth as this, but more with people, things that were currently going on. Um, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I think some episodes are floating around out there. At the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of brought it back briefly and did like three or four episodes that were strictly music, no interviews, because 
Mark was doing the Hello My Name Is podcast, so he had that that base covered. So there was no no point of doing that. And uh, but there was no music, so I was like, ah, maybe I should try. And um, a big point of it then and at the time I did it was to kind of bring attention to bands people might not hear otherwise. I spent a lot of time transferring a lot of my old demos and seven inches that aren't easy to get, um, you know, to my computer. And I thought it was a good way for people to maybe if they want to check it out, hear a Buffalo band they might not have heard otherwise. You have those episodes saved somewhere? Yeah, I've got I've got some of them on a hard drive somewhere. Because Anchor, you can do it for free. And it's, it's they distribute it everywhere. You might want to look into that. No, Anchor didn't work out for me. I tried it. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm playing music. Oh, I see. Yeah. So they thought I was uh, the one episode I tried to do using that last year got taken down for copyright violations, even though it was all like demos. I don't it wasn't even like I didn't get like as big as like Snapcase or Every Time I Die. And it just Mm -hmm. did you put a manic depression song on it? (laughs) (laughs) No. All right. So here is a question. Here is a question. uh, And then we'll wrap it up. For each of you, top three Buffalo demo bands, like a band that never made it past a demo or out of Buffalo, top threes. Oh. Like no way. If they have, if they have a seven inch that excludes them, only demo. So, like for example, mine are subject to change, nail, and uh, I would have to come back with a third one. But like they only had a demo and never made it out of Buffalo. Okay. No way out with Steve Titus. Emerson. Uh, okay, come back to me for the third. I would say number one would be support. Okay. Uh, support, and not that anybody can see this, but this happened during <laughs> a support set. I got my face smashed into a vocal monitor, yes. and um, I lost my front tooth during support. And uh, that's why he doesn't strange. have a tooth right now. The, the strangest band to lose your teeth to. I, I know it is. It's uh, but you know, back then it was like a different world. Like today, yeah. probably wouldn't happen. But but I'm like, saying like it wasn't zero tolerance. It wasn't like big ass snap case. It wasn't skinned. It was support. <laughs> <laughs> um, nail would be on my list too, but I'm I'm sure that's not a surprise. Chris yeah. and I would always go off. We many times we'd be the only two people going off. And we went a special level of going off. Like, yes, I think we, we honestly, I honestly think that we ruined their shows. That's why people didn't get into them because of us. <laughs> I honestly believe that. You guys didn't help. I for years, I just didn't want to say anything. <laughs> yeah, we it didn't help. And I know that like Scott, the drummer, after a while was just like, "Will you guys stop? Like, just stop." <laughs> I, I remember at the Roach Motel, you two slapping dicks. That was fun. <laughs> I don't remember that, so that's a fantasy shit. I don't know. It happened. It, I do remember at, uh, at uh, one of those Lockport shows. Disengage. I did uh, a naked. Yeah, they did a naked body fold, and that dude that was in uh, Mother Birth and Avulsion, the one who passed away, John. I definitely felt his nose separate my cheeks. <laughs> I got a band for that for your list. Freaking Reason. Oh, oh yeah. That Reason was awesome. New yeah. Vision. Yeah. Oh, that Vision. was another really good one. That band yeah. fucking ruled. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Demo only. I'm having Demo a hard time only. coming up for anything for that. I really yeah, like it. Something to ha- change demo. Yeah. I man. really like the Titus, the Titus Revenge demo. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Awesome. That's it's too bad that didn't work out the way it was supposed to. Have you heard the other version of it, Phil? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that the Eric War- uh, Warner sang on came out. Was it Eric Warner? I thought it was like was a that- guy from California. No, yeah. Eric Warner didn't sing on that. A pressure point guy sang on it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that that particular. Right, I'm thinking of a different recording. You're thinking. Uh, I was going to say you're thinking of Betrayed, maybe because he sang for Betrayed at the end. Yeah, well, that and they did like a he just sang a bunch of songs about fishing. Yeah, hmm. I, I think they took, yeah, it was like drum tracks from that like session, and then like Doug wrote stuff over it. I think that's how that happened. Yeah, something I knew it had yeah. something to do with it. But is there a way we can just do one more plug about so, so I can let everybody know about all the lockjaw stuff being available digitally? 
Yeah. Because all the Lockjaw stuff is on Bandcamp now. Um, there's only two demos left to put up there, which will will be on shortly. They'll, they might be up, but they'll probably be on there by the time this episode's actually out. Um, but it's the Bill Page Bandcamp. But if you just look up Lockjaw, there's a lot of Lockjaw. So there are. Like, I just noticed that. <laughs> a lot of them. Look at look for the Bill Page Bandcamp, and uh, you, all the Lockjaw releases are on there. I'm trying to get them all up. Cool. So. So I guess we're going to wrap that up. Uh, thank you to uh, Bill, Aaron, and Sweeper for coming to um, talk to us about Lockjaw. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Um, Good to see you guys, too. Yeah, How you guys all up for quarantine and all this COVID nonsense? Yeah, okay. Right. Special treat. Being creative. <laughs> this is fun. Seeing people is fun. So it's cool. Yeah. I'm glad Weird. we can do this. It's and getting like to talk about hardcore, like it's how does it get any better than that? Yeah, definitely. for some yeah. of us, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Thanks.